you are about to watch Plerud by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. As he brings to you a message from God's word, that will build you up and make you complete in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We pray that as you watch this teaching you will receive the empowerment to bear much fruit in Christ. Now listen. There can be no what? Prosperity. Now it is said that in the, in the time of Israel, three kings had made Israel experience the greatest, the highest point of prosperity. Amen. And two of them I can remember precisely, they are David and Solomon. Amen. And I think Jehoshaphat was one of them also. Praise God. Amen. Amen. In these times, in these rooms, and in this way, there was prosperity like never before. Praise the Lord for the Lord. Now, but for David's time, and for Solomon's time, was a peak of prosperity. It was a peak of prosperity. The Bible says that if you go through scriptures, you that silver was common in Israel in the time of Solomon. Praise God. It was common. The major things were, the, the major emphasis in Israel was gold. So silver was as good as, um, as, what would I call it now? They were taken to be sold, praise God. There was affluence like never before. There was affluence like never before. Strange order of affluence, praise God. And the reason for this was peace. David's time experienced prosperity, but the prosperity that Solomon experienced was, was <laughs> unquantifiable. David's time could not be could not in any way be, um, um, be related to the level of prosperity that um, Solomon experienced and Israel experienced in the time of Solomon's rule. The reason for this was peace. So it's important to know that peace is important for prosperity. Praise God. Without shalom, you cannot have prosperity. That's why the word shalom means peace and it also means what? Prosperity. We see a lot of Christians who are trying to prosper but they are not at peace. You see them struggling and struggling and struggling, yet the prosperity is not coming because they don't understand the principles of heaven. The principles of the kingdom is that there has to be peace for them to be prosperity. That's why the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for in her peace. Do you have a peace? And it says, they shall prosper that love the old what? Oh Jerusalem. So when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you will have peace in her peace. And what will happen to you? You will prosper. So you cannot be praying for the trouble of Jerusalem and the state of prosper. Ask other nations that are troubling them. Are we together? Ask those that are troubling them. They are troubling them so they can't have peace. Once you make up your mind to trouble is there, know that you never have peace and you never have prosperity. Because God has said this to so. Are we together? Because the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of Israel, is your peace and your prosperity. And as children of God, we are the New Testament Israelites. We are the New Testament Jerusalem, we are the New Testament Zion. Amen. So that means that everyone who prays for our peace, we have peace and prosperity. Are we together? But if you don't pray for my peace, you will definitely not have peace and you will have prosperity. It's normal. That's the instituted law of Jehovah, of Yahweh, concerning his children, concerning his chosen generation. So look at the man who makes up his mind to trouble a child of God. Ah! Trouble will never be far from his abode. Are we together? Look at the man who says that we take the peace of this child of God. He will 
this. I have seen God do it time and again and again and again for me. And my family, I've seen God do it. So it is not news to me. Are we together? Everyone who lifted up their hands and said they would trouble me and my family, my God has always troubled them than said. Are we together? So this is important for prosperity. If God told Abraham, he said, I will, Genesis 22, I will bless them that bless you. Are we together? And I will curse him that curses you. I, 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 when I discovered these scriptures years ago, I showed my book, I said, oh, wait or something again. God said, I will bless them that bless you. Plural. Are we together? And I will curse him that curses you. What? Singular. <laughs> Peace. You know that was frustrating? He was telling 
remember when somebody every Monday, every Friday, calling me, troubling me, troubling my life. Ah, why should I lose my peace for a mortal man? A man that is nobody. Okay, you are troubling me. You want your trouble back? He said, yes, I said, take your trouble back. And that giving his trouble back, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to follow me again. Are we together? So you must ensure that you enforce the peace of God in every ramification of your life. Are we together? And that's the reason for this teaching. We understood that Jesus had a hard task to accomplish. And we, we, the first part of this teaching is that we want to know the tasks that Jesus came to accomplish. And we understood that there are 31 things Jesus came to do. Praise God. And we have just touched one of them. We thought we were able to touch six in one Sunday, but we have just touched one. And we trust the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. So now we're touching another one again, and I pray we'll be able to go through two. The second thing Jesus came to do is to save sinners. Holy Spirit, we ask revelation into your world in the name of Jesus. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, This same, this same is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Are we together? King James says, Of whom I am what? Chief. Of whom I am what? Chief. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26 says, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put in a sin by the sacrifice of himself. And when God says something, he said, Christ came to die for sinners, and I am the chief sinner. You see, one of the one of the Things that led to Apostle Paul's success was his humble recognition of who he was and who he is now. Are you something? See, if you don't know who you were, you cannot know who you are. And you will not know who you will be. That's the reason why a lot of Christians are still looking at themselves as sinners, though they are sin. So they can't they don't even know who they are. So they don't even know who they will be. A lot of Christians are not maximizing the blessings of the finished work of Christ because they don't know who they were. They don't know who they are, they don't know who, who they will be. Now, a lot of Christians also, a lot of people, that, a lot of people who come to church, they, they say they are born again, but they don't really understand what it means to be what? Born again. Because some of them they say we're born in church, so it means we are born again. But listen to me very well. Living in a garage for 365 days does not automatically change it to become a car. Does it do that? No. So even if you are living in church, even if you are born in, born in church, even if you are living in church all for, for 50 years of your life, it doesn't make you a Christian. Apostle Paul understood that he was very, very serious about the law. A Pharisee to the core. But even with his seriousness, he never knew he was seriously sinning. And he was a serious sinner. A lot of Christians, there are a lot of church goers and church comers. Who are serious sinners? Yeah, they are serious sinners. And until the Holy Spirit makes you understand that, see, there is nothing that can change in your life. So, say that Christ came to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And how did Christ do this? He said, He did what? He came to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Jesus saved sinners by condemning sin finally and absolutely in the flesh. That is the location where Jesus saved sinners is not it. Are you understand what I'm saying? The location where Jesus saved the sinner is not it. 
He came to the earth, but when he, came, when he got to the point of saving sinners, he was not in the earth. He entered into the realm called the flesh realm. Are you know something? Now, there is the heavenly realms, there's the earth realms, there's also something called the flesh realm. Are you getting it? The flesh realm is the realm that is closer to the earth. Are you getting it? But it is not as it were the earth itself. Because we always say that God made man from the dust of the earth. But for you to make clay, dust alone cannot produce clay. Is that not so? We need water to mix with dust to produce clay. So man is not just the end product of dust. Man is the end product of water mixed with dust. And water, what does water symbolize in scripture? It symbolizes the word of God. It symbolizes Jesus. So there is a Christ component in the flesh. That is why the flesh is a very, 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 very technical way. That's why Jesus came. Why he walked on the earth until he until he said it is why he walked on the earth all the three and a half years before he walked on the cross, he was a perfect man. And a perfect man is neither water nor immortal. A perfect man cannot die. He cannot be sick. Are you understanding? That's the same man that Adam was. Why? Because it was a mixture of dust and what? Water. Mixture of dust and the and the world. That's called the flesh realm. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a realm of his own. And until we know how to manage this realm, until we know how to operate in this realm, some things will still go wrong in our life. That's the reason why some, some, you hear testimonies of people say, they, sh they shot me when they bullet the night. Wow, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Oh, God did ordain for No, it was not ordain that God did for me. You know what God did for that person at that point in time? God took the person to the original state he created Adam. Are we together? Which is what? The perfect man. Adam could not be king. Adam was unkillable. Are you getting me? Death only reigned in the members of our body when sin came in. When sin came into the flesh, it removed water from the flesh. Someone understand me? It drained the flesh of water. And when you drain dust of water, what happens? Once you drain clay of water, what happens? It becomes strong. Is that not so? That's why you dry it, terracotta. Dry burnt clay. It becomes strong. And when it becomes strong, it becomes destructible. Is that not so? You have molded the beautiful stuff and you have dried it with fire, terracotta. It's not so. If you mistakenly drop it on the ground, what happens? It can be destroyed. But when it was still mixed with water, can you destroy it? Hit it like this, it will splash. It's malleable. Are you something? So the first Adam was malleable when it was created before sin. That's why God says, He took the prophet Jeremiah and took him to the reporter's house. And he saw the reporter was malleable. He was, he was walking on the clay. The clay was malleable. It was not destroyed. It was just flowing with the water. And he said, Can my children be like this in my hand? The mother was, Can I? Can I the original states. Can they be malleable? See, clay is malleable, it cannot be destroyed. But when clay becomes terracotta, it is destructible. And what makes clay become terracotta? When water has been drained from it, when sin came into the flesh in Adam, in Adam became terracotta. Man became terracotta. So man was breakable. Man became destructible.
child of God. You cross, you say, God, but why am I being crossed? Because God is trying to take you back to connection. You cross, you take it, and I go back. It was beautiful. Some of us are saying, that God, I'm just fine where I am. God says, no. Is an imperfect flesh. 
Are we together? A sinner is an imperfect. I was thinking the one who was thinking of a particular person that pastor was supposed to go. And I, and I said, this particular person, I heard that, I, was, I, 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 I heard that he survived about three plane crashes. I know so. About three or I don't know how many plane crashes he survived. And I said, wow, this guy survived so plane crashes. To survive a plane crash is not helicopter crash. It's not chance in his also. It's worse than car crash. But at the end of the day, anyway, he, 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 he was killed in battle. Praise God. And I was like, oh God, why? I was trying to get answers to why could survive this but was not killed in this. But I think I'm getting the answer here. The answer is that when the devil is making attempts on a person's life and the person is not dying, that person is living in the realm of a perfect flesh at that time. And you understand what I'm saying? But the moment the devil makes or the devil makes an attempt on the person and the person dies, the person has been taken away from the perfect flesh. And I've been brought to what? Imperfect Like it happened to Jesus. He had put on what? Mortality. Now, God has reasons why he does that. Some of the times, God has to move us from perfect to perfect because he needs us for again. Are we together? Or because he knows that if he keeps us in perfect flesh longer than a period, we may not represent him well enough. And you get what I'm saying? So there are reasons why God moves us from perfect flesh. But for every child of God, remember, know something that as a child of God, as you are alive on earth, you are still a perfect flesh because you are born again. When God leads you out of this earth, he moves you from perfect flesh to imperfect flesh. And then he can take you. These are both flesh realms. Are you getting me? And one is higher. These are the two realms of flesh. The perfect flesh and the imperfect flesh. So Jesus lived as a perfect flesh. When he had to save sinners, he had to change location from perfect flesh to location. To, from perfect flesh location to what? Imperfect flesh what? Location. If not look at Jesus. That was, that was the greatest sacrifice that a God man would have ever done. Are we together? Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, For what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak through flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Look at this verse. It says, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The likeness, it looked like sinful flesh. Can you hear something? In the likeness of sinful flesh. But when he was on earth, he was in the likeness, but he was not in sinful flesh. I hear something. But when he got to the cross, that was when, when it was time to go. It's not even when he was hanging on the cross, he, he said it is. That darkness came for three hours. He was not made sin until that time. It was when darkness came that he was made sin. I hear nothing. That was when God could not behold what he has stepped down, what his flesh has stepped into. I hear something. And the Father could not behold that. His perfect flesh, so, has stepped down to become what? Imperfect flesh. And then, there was that place. There was that period that Jesus was made an imperfect flesh. But Lord he was walking on the earth, he was like sinful flesh, but he was not sinful flesh. On the cross, at that point, that's when he became what? Sinful flesh. And then, he says, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. See, the, the, between these two, these phrases, there is a time lag. It says, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That is when he was born. Are you understand saying? As a baby in the manger. But now, you see, what separates this in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condensing the flesh, is a comma and one and. Are you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't look like it's just a comma. 
When man does something, I said it was children. I said, Do you know how long a person's life is on earth? And they said, How? I said, When you go to a great tomb, a tomb, you see what is there. You see how long a person's life is. And if I'm going to go to the tomb, you see the manners <laughs> or any material that was used. You write it 1967 2020. A person's life, the duration of anybody that no matter how long it is, is just that much. Are you listening? But funny enough, it's attached, they put the whole. Is it actually attached that you live for? Exactly. So that makes us understand what this comma and this hand means. Between the likeness of sinful flesh and, and for sin condensed in the flesh was 33 and a half years. <laughs> so the likeness of sinful flesh was from death to 33 and a half years. Sin 
was given the death sentence on the cross. So when Jesus died, sin what? Died. God did not give sin. See, the Father did not give sin in jail 10. No. The way most of us, the way Christians behave, we behave as if God gave sin in jail 10. That's why we say we are all sinners saved by grace. <laughs> you come to the church and say, let us confess our sins. If you say we have no sins, then not we speak of sin. Why? Because we believe that God gave sin a jail sentence of maybe 20 years. Now, the 20 years has expired, so sin has come back to meet us. <laughs> when you give a man a jail sentence, if the man is not rehabilitated in the jail, he said also, when he comes back, he becomes more what? Dangerous. So most of us have this mindset that God gives sin a jail sentence. So anytime, so sin has been released from the jail and sin has come back more what? Dangerous to us. And that is the reason why we keep living like sinners when we are sinners. God never gave sin a jail sentence. God gave sin a death sentence. Is that not so? Yes. When a criminal is so criminal that he's so criminal that everybody is afraid of him, what do they do to him? They give a death sentence. Even the judge that is giving the death sentence is afraid of him. So if you tell this about this man, if I don't kill him, he may come for me. So what do they do? He gives him a death sentence so that he will never be in trouble to anybody again. Once he's dead, the whole person is free. Remember, really, the great criminal. And also more. They troubled that state to the extent that hey, people could not sleep in their houses again. But what happened? When their dreams they came, they were giving the death sentence. No death because the whole city was tired of them. They were uncatchable. They were giving the death sentence. And that was the end of that world. Menace. Sin had troubled man from the fall of Adam till when Jesus died. And God needed to bring menace. And you know something? If an ethnic judge knows that a criminal, a hardened criminal, is not meant to be given a jail sentence, is meant to be given one, a death if the woman that stabbed her husband was even given a death sentence. Because the judge looked at the woman and said, she's a threat to that man. If you give her a jail sentence, if she doesn't get that man, this is a psychological issue, you come back again and that man will say, criminal, she's stabbing him again. Aside the fact that it has to do with logic for the reason of the law. But there were other reasons that will come back together and will not be the hammer of her. Go on that. I hear something. God knew that sin is a criminal that can never be rehabilitated. So what do you do? The only opportunity to finish sin once and for all, God did not miss it. But he finished sin on the body of Jesus for the cross. When Jesus died, sin was died. The death of sin means that sin was totally finished on the cross and it cannot have dominion over the sin again. Yeah. Sin was not given a death sentence. Are you know something? It was, sorry, it was not given a jail sentence, it was given a what? A death sentence. Even giving a man life imprisonment is not sin enough. Why? Because after some years, he can find, he can get what? Mercy. He can get mercy. It happens, happen to people. He, he, he can get mercy. And so people Elohim, Yahweh knew that giving sin a life imprisonment is not even worth it. Not waste your time. If he goes into the prison, those in the prison it is good. 
to the world. Response he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but what? Under grace. The death sentence of sin means that sin can no longer dominate us. Child of God, you are not under the wit and control of sin. Yeah. You, are not, you, are not, you are not under the manipulation of sin. Yeah. It can't dominate you again. As believers in Jesus, God cannot condemn us for sin because he has condemned sin on the body of Jesus. That follows the law of what? Double jeopardy. So, when we keep being afraid of God condemning us because of sin, it means that we don't understand the operations of the law, number one. Number two, it means that we don't understand that sin was given a death sentence, not a jail term. Are you understand what I'm saying? And many Christians don't understand the preaching of the law. They say the law, the law, the law, the law. See, we need to understand the law. First, the law speaks of God's integrity. Is that not so? It speaks of God's integrity. God will return command. It speaks of God's integrity. It speaks of the goodness of God. And the love that God, that shall have God beside me. It shows that God wants to be God to you. He doesn't want the devil to take his place. He's jealous of you. He loves you jealously. Go through the list and you see how God, how good God is. So for us to understand grace, we need to understand law. For you to understand the Bible says, for, for you to understand what the Bible says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are all, for you are not under the law, but under grace. For you to understand what it means to not be under the law and to be under grace, you must understand what the law entails. And the first thing to understand about the law is that number one, there's there a law of double jeopardy. You cannot punish a man twice for a sin. A part of has already been punished. About. Number two, sin has been given the death sentence and it has served that sentence so it cannot come back to life again. Are you understand what I'm Yes. So if you understand the law of double jeopardy and understand that sin has died once and for all, how will sin have to be the body? Are we getting it? Romans chapter 8, verse 4 says, King James says, For there is therefore now no condemnation to death for Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit? That is King James. But if you go through uh, other translations, you see that the word walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit was not there. That it was added by the writers of King James. So, BB says, for this for those who are in Christ Jesus will not be judged as what? Sinners. We will not be judged as what? Sinners. Romans 8 verse 1 says, the easy he says, so now God will never decide that Christ's people are not good enough. Wow. God will never say that, say that about people who are united with Christ Jesus. He will never decide that he should punish them for always. Never and ever. Never and ever. So because of this, we are going to live in fear of hell, thinking that we are sinners. Rather, we are to be at peace knowing that we are saints. We are to be at peace knowing that we are loved by God. We are to be at peace knowing that we can never be condemned by God. And we are to be forever secured in Jesus so long as we remain in Him. This is the greatest peace that a man can have. This is the peace that Jesus gave to us. Are you understanding? Yes. When Jesus said, with my peace, I give to you. The peace was giving them is not the peace that, uh, ah, my heart is relaxed. Oh, then the storm has been calm. Because every time we hear this, all we think of is strong is also. The peace that Jesus was giving to them is the peace of you can never be condemned again. Mm. 
It's called the gift of no more condemnation. That is the gift of righteousness. <laughs> the, the peace that Jesus gave to them is not easy. Do you know why I'm not perturbed by all the troubles around me in this life? Because I cannot be condemned. Jesus told them, He said, Do not be afraid of him who can kill your bodies. He said, But be afraid of him who can kill your bodies and do and send your soul to hell. That is where the real condemnation is. That is what should give you trouble. This is going to be very well. Things. 
both living and non-living things were reconciled to the Father. And that means that God cannot condemn this world for sin. Yet we hear you. See, there is a law of double judgment. When we hear the law of double judgment, the only thing could be concerning the new creation of Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. But it also applies to all things. Look at this very. It says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, that he to reconcile all things. How many things? Okay. Unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things in heaven or things in heaven. So what things in heaven and on earth have been reconciled back to the Father by Jesus. So that is, that's what makes us understand that the law of double humanity cannot be enforced. Those who are saying that God brought coronavirus to condemn the world for the sin of the world, they don't understand the scripture. If you are saying that God sent coronavirus to condemn the world for the sin of the world, that means you are saying that God did not condemn the sin of the world on the body of Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and that means you don't understand the law of double jeopardy. And that means you don't understand the finished work of Christ. Mm. Because Jesus reconciled all things first to himself, and then he was reconciled to what the Father. So even the things on earth, everything on earth, God has condemned sin on the body of Jesus. God cannot condemn the earth for sin again. Mm. Are you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Why? Because the law of double jeopardy stands. He can't do that again. So no matter the sin you see on the world, God will not condemn the earth for the sin for the sin that's condemned on Jesus. But remember that there is a revival coming. Amen. And after the church is done with their work here, what happens? Then God cannot destroy this old earth and create a new heaven and what? A new earth. But so long as the people that Jesus died for are here, this is going to be very well. God cannot do go against the law of double Jehovah. So even nature, that's why no matter the, 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 the randomness we are seeing, all the climatic changes we are seeing, still it cannot be destroyed. Why? Because God has condemned the sin of the world on the body of Jesus once and for all. The earth will enjoy preservation because of what Jesus did until the church leaves the earth. So that's why we must keep giving our life and, 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 and having a sound. Amen. So what do we do as children of God? For those who have been saved, we are to enforce the finished work of Jesus by living conscious of the truth that we are no more sinners and we are peace with God. And you know something? You want to be conscious of the truth that you are not a sinner, you will be conscious of the truth that you are peace with God. But child of God, if you are not, if, if, if you are not yet conscious of this truth, you are missing the greatest thing in your life. Because the peace that Jesus gave to his disciples is the peace of
God. Are you getting it? Yes. You see, I've changed location. My spirit man is gone. So that's why you are killing me. And you know what? I have the most exciting thing in life, which is what? I cannot be condemned. That's why they were, don't look at them, they were poor. They were, they were preaching to their jailers. <laughs> the poor preached to the executor. Is that what so? They were preaching to them. Charlie, see, my home is secure, bro. I have that peace, bro. No condemnation. And today I want to call on everybody. If you know you don't have that piece of no condemnation, this is an opportunity to have it. Christ came to save sinners. This is an opportunity to have it. It's the greatest opportunity you can get in life. The peace you need to solve, to thrive on this earth is not is not happiness. If earth will never give you happiness, you understand something? So long as on this earth you will never get happiness. You only survive, you only thrive when you have the peace that Jesus gave you. It's called the peace of your If you know you want to give your life to Jesus, if you know that you want to receive this peace of your condemnation, you can just say this prayer time. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I don't have this peace, which is a gift of no more condemnation. But today, I come to you. I renounce sin and I denounce sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your finished work. I enforce it in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now pray for everyone person who did that step. Dear Father, we thank you for another opportunity. For so long, for one, two, three, four, five, one thousand, one million people. To receive this gift, this blessing called peace, which is a gift of no condemnation. Long as they have received it, I ask Lord that they be empowered to keep enforcing it. And they live their lives on earth, living conscious of the truth that they can never be condemned for their sins. Thank you, Mother King, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. Kindly share your testimonies with us at chumdiohahunaministry at gmail.com. Grace to you.